The reading is from Luke chapter 6, uh, 37 to 42. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So if you've got your Bibles open at Luke chapter 6, that would be, that would be very good. Um, now, Steve, could you just show the PowerPoint at the beginning here, please? So you probably gathered, uh, one more click, that um, today's service is about not being judgmental not being hypocritical, I wonder um, what your thoughts are when you see this picture. What's going on here? A parent trying to control a child. Good thought. Anybody else? After the news this week, you might have come to another conclusion here. Yeah? It's not a man. Uh, well, the bloke, I think the, man, I think the person on the left is a man, actually, um, and the, the person on the right is a woman, and it looks... Don't look it. Don't look it. Well, that's a, that's a judgment that you've made based, based on hairstyle. Based on... <laughs> ah, right. It does look, first of all, like he is attacking her, or, you know, as you said, a parent um, controlled. Let's have a look at the other part. Um, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. She's about to go in front of a enormous Mercedes truck, and he is trying to rescue her. But if you just looked at that first picture, you could have come to all sorts of conclusions about what was going on and, and judgments on, on, about that, that chap, whether he was a chap or not, whether the length of his hair was appropriate or what he was up to, uh, you would have come to your own conclusions until you see the whole picture. And then you realize um, this was actually, I, I have a feeling when I was at, at university uh, or somewhere there, they, the un, Christian Union gave out a copy of the Bible, a, a gospel, and it had these pictures on the front and the back. And so the, the thing was, don't judge a book by its cover. Uh, you know, a lot of people have their own opinions on the Bible, but they've probably never read it. Um, so you need to have knowledge, don't you, before you can make um, judgments. Now, I'm, I'm actually, well, when I, Matt gave me this topic, the preach on, I was first of all very excited 
because I thought, what a great topic. And then I became more worried. Uh, and what I'm worried about is that I could be a hypocrite by judging others to be hypocrites for judging others. <laughs> Do you get that? Um, you know, uh, we're told not to judge and uh, so easily done. You see other people, uh, especially if you're a Christian, you see other Christians doing things and you think, well, I wouldn't do that. Uh, or you watch other drivers, I wouldn't do that. And then you find yourself doing exactly the same thing. So uh, please, I do not stand here as somebody who's got all this right. Very much, very much the opposite. So um, the first thing in this passage is Jesus begins with these two um, words. And of course, if, if you've got one of those Bibles with uh, the red, Jesus's words in red, you'll find virtually the whole of this chapter is in red, because this is Jesus's uh, Sermon on the Plain, uh, Luke's version of the, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, he says two things, two don'ts, don't judge and don't condemn. And, and the reason he says that, because actually the only person who can judge and condemn is God. Yeah. Um, so whenever we judge uh, or condemn anything, we are not really acting with full authority because we're not God. We are human beings. Let's get that established right from the beginning. Um, only God is qualified to make judgments. Um, now, a very good example of this in Jesus's life is where the woman... Um, is brought to him who has been uh, accused by the Pharisees uh, and teachers of the law of committing adultery. And they drag the woman in and they throw her to the ground in front of Jesus. And they say, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. Now our law says that adulterers should be stoned. And uh, which is true. Um, in, the, in the law in Deuteronomy, in the, 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 the law of Moses, that, that is written. It's not entirely everything that's written. Um, they, they're only picking one part of it, but uh, they bring her. And, and eventually, um, Jesus writes on the ground, and then he puts his head up, and he says, let the first, the person who has no sin cast the first stone. Isn't that brilliant? I, I love those one-liners that, Julia, that um, Jesus comes out with. Uh, let the person without sin cast the first stone. And at that point, one by one, starting with the oldest, going down to the youngest, they all peel off. And uh, at the end, it's just Jesus and the woman. Now, uh, Jesus could have thrown a stone at her. And within the law, he would have been within his rights to do so. And also, because he is God and he is without sin, he could have done it. And he says, neither do I condemn you. So our model here is Jesus. Even though he could have judged and condemned her, he didn't. Now, we could go into other reasons. Of course, the law says that both the man and the woman should be stoned, uh, and only the woman is there. So, you know, they're not applying the law evenly or fairly in any case, and neither of them uh, are qualified uh, to, to actually judge this woman. Now, a few years ago, I was conducting a funeral at, in, in Totterdown Baptist Church in, in Bristol, and um, it was a Jamaican funeral, which are big affairs. I mean, Jamaican community is very tight-knit, and loads of people come to these uh, funerals. Um, you have an open coffin, 
and uh, and that there's a part in the service where actually anybody can get up and speak. <laughs> now, um, as as I prepared, uh, it was a family who who lived in the area, and um, the the daughter of the man who died uh, used to come along to church when she was there. She lived somewhere else. She lived in London, I think. Um, and uh, she told me a little bit of the background that actually this man who died had got quite a few children by different relationships, some of whom had, were, were in touch with him and some of whom weren't. And there was uh, rumours that some of the people who hadn't been in touch with him for a long time were going to appear at the funeral. And um, they didn't know what would happen because they, they thought there could be trouble when these people turned up and the people that had cared for him you know, met up. So it was a bit of a tense kind of funeral. And anyway, um, before the service, there were a group of men on the steps outside the church uh, having a smoke, as often happens. Um, and um, this guy walked up the steps. He wasn't very tall. If I describe him, black Ben Sherman suit, black bandana, dark glasses, huge gold watch, a uh, bit of uh, other bling, uh, Bluetooth earpiece comes up the steps with his cigarette, talking to these guys. I thought, oh my goodness, <laughs> who have we got here? It must be the mafia. Uh, and um, anyway, came to the point in the service where anyone could stand up to speak. And uh, one person stood up and said something. And then this chap starts walking slowly down the aisle. I thought, oh my goodness, what is he going to say? And he came to the front and he said, um, hi, he said, my name's Errol. Um, I didn't know I got such a big family until I got here today. And I just want to say to us, let's sort our family things out today and not hang on to it and not hang on to bitterness. And you know, the whole atmosphere changed when this guy came up the front. Now I'd kind of judged him. I kind of judged that he was a bit of a hard nut and a troublemaker. And as I talked to him afterwards, it turned out this quite young man, just about six months ago, his 11-year-old son had died from an asthma attack. And here was me judging him on the clothes and the accessories that he wore. Yeah, how easily it is done. We're told not to judge and not to condemn. But the Bible also makes it quite clear that within society and within the church and within the religious communities, uh, some people are called to make judgments. We call them judges. Moses uh, used to be there to be the judge for the people. And when it became too much of him, he appointed other judges to come and decide the difficult cases um, that arose between the people. In 1 Corinthians 5, we're told the church is told by Paul um, to expel the immoral brother. Somebody's been up to um, some immorality in the church, and, and Paul says, expel them from your community. Um, so who can make those decisions? It's really hard, isn't it? Because on one hand, we've been told not to judge. But clearly, within a society, there needs to be justice there needs to be uh, somebody who makes sure that the rules are being kept. One of the key passages, uh, to my mind, on this is actually in Romans 1. Now, 
This, uh, this is kind of um, quite a heavy passage in Romans 1. And it starts by saying the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against the godliness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now, it goes on uh, to give a couple of examples, quite some detail, about sexual uh, misconduct, sexual um, uh, activity, which uh, Paul is condemning and saying those kind of acts are indecent and um, it's, it's quite clearly there. Now, a lot of Christians have put a lot of focus on these passages. But let's just read on a little bit. Um, he says, furthermore, since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, he gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. Now, they have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit and malice. They're gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents, senseless, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Although they know of God's righteousness, righteous decree, that these things deserve death, they only, not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So although the two examples which Paul uh, amplifies there are about sexual misconduct, there's a massive list there, which is quite horrifying, including the gossips <laughs> and the slanderers. And I would like to suggest to the in-church life, the gossips and the slanderers have probably done more damage to the church than some other sinners. But, you know, we must, we must read on. We must read on because... He's talking about God's wrath being poured out on all of these people. Okay. He goes on. <coughs> you, therefore, have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. And that's pretty well what I was saying at the beginning, standing here. Uh, so I'm not standing in judgment. I hope you realize now, we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. Amen, brother. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? So Paul is very clearly saying there that all of these kinds of sin are wrong in God's sight. Everything is sin. And, but he's talking about God's wrath being poured out uh, not to punish people, but to drive them towards repentance because he is kind. What a different slant on that passage to, to they, uh, you know, the, the, the whatever it, Baptist church it is in America that go around holding up signs saying God hates fags. Mm, yeah, and he's not talking about cigarettes either. Um, yeah, so um, Paul is quite strong on that, that actually God is not judgmental. God wants us to turn away from our sin and, and repent. And that's the purpose of pointing out the sin in the first place. He then goes on to say the famous line, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
And he then goes on to say that all will find forgiveness and grace through Christ's sacrifice. That's uh, at the heart of the gospel. So we're all sinners. Um, G.K. Chesterton uh, once read in the, in the Times, somebody put this letter in the Times, uh, Matt's nodding, he knows his well, uh, uh, saying, what is wrong with the world? And G.K. Chesterton wrote a letter that said, dear sir, I am yours sincerely, G.K. Chesterton. Yeah, until we actually realise that we are part of the problem and that we are sinners, we haven't really got the right picture. This book is full of wisdom. It's called The Wisdom of the Desert. And it's uh, collected by Thomas Merton, um, sayings of the group of people who, who escaped in the early first, second centuries to the desert to find uh, peace. They, they wanted to seek God. They went to the desert and they formed communities in the desert. And uh, lots of pithy little sayings. This one says, one of the brethren had sinned and the priest told him to leave the community. So then, Abbot Basarion got up and walked out with him, saying, I too am a sinner. So the first thing, do not judge, don't condemn. Um, so the second thing is about hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Albert Einstein said, uh, light travels faster than sound. That's why certain people appear bright until you hear them speak. <laughs> I, I would like to turn that one around as well and say some people sound great until you see what they do. Yeah? I mean, it's very easy if you're a Christian preacher to tell everybody all the good things they should be doing. And, and to, to, it's dead easy to make a congregation feel guilty. We have a, we have a holy God. We have a trustworthy book. And, and, and we can point the finger. Very easy to make your congregation feel guilty. Yeah? Um, but hypocrisy is a mismatch between appearance and reality. And a lot of us uh, uh, put on an appearance. I mean, the, the guy that came to the funeral, Errol, I mean, he, he particularly wanted that, that appearance. I don't know why, uh, but that was what he wanted to uh, portray. Um, you know, people wear, wear the, the right fashions and they have tattoos and they have makeup and all sorts of things because they want to, uh, they want to portray a particular persona to people but actually what goes on inside may not match up to the persona that they actually are so it's about hearing people speak but also watching them act how do the two match up jesus says uh, can a blind man lead a blind man with difficulty i would suggest although actually if it's a blind man who has memorized the pattern and he can feel his way around with a stick uh, he probably could lead somebody else, but it's very difficult. And so we come to the, the passage we looked at earlier about the speck and the log. One of, one of Jesus's jokes, it's a bit like camels going through eyes of needles, you know. They're, they're, they're so ridiculous, they're, they're, they're kind of funny, but with a very serious uh, point. Um, how many of us have got logs in our eyes, and yet we're very good at seeing the specks in somebody else? I suspect most of us. And so Jesus comes up in verse 42 with this word, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your eye so that you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brothers. 
Now, the word hypocrite is interesting. It's actually literally a Greek word. Uh, it hasn't been translated at all. And it means actor, an actor under an assumed character. So Jesus is saying, if you're a hypocrite, you're pretending to be something that's different to who you really are. How easy it is to fall into that trap. So um, notice that Jesus in his ministry only condemned hypocrites. The only people that Jesus spoke harsh words to were the hypocrites, the people, the Pharisees, who were telling other people to obey the rules but not obeying them all themselves. To all the sinners who came to him, he was compassionate and forgave them. He never condemned them. Neither do I condemn you, says Jesus. Go and leave your life of sin. Um, but to the hypocrites, to the Pharisees, he, uh, he, he reserved his strongest condemnation. You brood of vipers, you whitewashed wall, graves, sepulchres, dead inside. I mean, it, it was really strong stuff. No wonder they, they hated him so much. But when Jesus met the woman at the well in Samaria in John chapter 4, um, she was a very well-known uh, in her community. She'd had um, seven, seven husbands, and, and, and one she was living with now wasn't her husband. She was notorious, shall we say, in their community. And Jesus knew that. And when he spoke to her, he didn't condemn her. He did tell her that he knew about her life, but he didn't condemn her. She didn't need to be condemned. She already condemned herself. And then off, when she met Jesus, she went and took the living water to everyone in her community. And so the final uh, heading, we've, we've looked at do not judge and do not condemn. Uh, we've looked at hypocrisy. What hypocrisy is not matching up what, what shows on the outside to what is in the inside. Authenticity. And authenticity, I, I would define as the opposite of hypocrisy. What we need to be is authentic. We need to be who we are. We don't need to pretend to be somebody else or compare ourselves with anybody else. We simply need to be authentic, the person that God made us to be and as transforming uh, through Christ to be in the likeness of Christ. That's who we need to be. And Jesus tells us that here in verse 40. A student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. Isn't that what we want to be? We want to be like our teacher. I guess Wendy teaches flute. And your flute teachers, your flute pupils want to be like, to be able to play like you. That's, yeah. Sometimes they can play better. Uh, and that's always, when we're a teacher, that's always the risk that our students will actually become better than us. But that, that's wonderful, isn't it? I mean, the, the, the cello teachers that have taught Sheikh Kani Mason, um, you know, they must look at him and think, wow, he's better than I could ever have been. Yeah. But he, he would have aspired to, have, to, um, to, to reach the qualities that his teacher, but actually he's even, even exceeded it. I'm not saying we could exceed Jesus's righteousness, but we should aim to be like him. Uh, it says here a student, uh, but actually the word means disciple. A disciple is not above his teacher. A disciple is someone who learns, someone who follows, someone who wants to copy, uh, wants to follow that example so that they could become 
like their teacher. We were singing earlier, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so uh, if we want to follow him, we're following the way. We are learning the truth, and we're living the life of Jesus. That's, that's what we are called to do. We're not called to do exactly the same things as Jesus, because he was called to that very specific role. But we're meant to look at him and see how God leads us, what things we are supposed to do. Um, quite a few years ago, people were wearing these wristbands saying, what WWJD, you know, what would Jesus do? And I think if that's a very good thing to remember, isn't it? Because in every situation, if we ask, what would Jesus do here? When we meet those tricky situations, um, I mean, sadly, I, I've had to be involved in a number of difficult decisions and meetings and, and tribunals and things like that. And you do eventually have to make a decision. And you're sitting, in effect, in judgment on somebody else or trying to make a decision about that person. Um, what would Jesus do here? What is the truth? Well, actually, there is, uh, there is a kind of uh, a way in which we can judge fairly. And Steve, you can put these up. First of all, know all the facts. Do we know the truth about what happened? Do we know all of the truth? Secondly, be impartial. When we make judgments, we, we shouldn't make them with any kind of uh, prejudice. We, we should come to these things with an open mind. To be a judge or a magistrate, you have to be impartial. Go on the facts. <laughs> judge yourself first. Oh, I'd hate to be a judge sitting in one of these courts, making huge decisions that will uh, affect somebody's life. Or even in a jury. Some of, who's, who's sat on a jury? Yeah, so, yeah, so you, you will know that you're making a decision that's going to affect somebody's life or lots of people's lives. Yeah, okay, judge myself first. Apply the same standard to yourself. And I think if we do those things, we are likely to be able to be, to be a fair judge of the situations that we come across. Now, if you come to a close, um, the, the, the Jewish rabbis had a, a kind of a saying and... Um, each of the rabbis in Jesus' time had their own following, their, their group of disciples. Uh, and one saying was, let the dust of my rabbi fall on me. Let the dust of my rabbi fall on me. So if you imagine, if you're walking behind your rabbi through the dusty streets, the dust from his feet is coming up. And as you walk closely to him, the dust is going to stick to you. And that's, that's a lovely image, isn't it? About, it's a bit like the aroma of Christ. Uh, it, the more time we spend with Christ and following him, the more the aroma will stick. Um, I know sometimes uh, when Karen's doing some baking and I come in and give her a hug, I think, ooh, cakes. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you pick up the aroma, don't you? And um, so let the dust of our rabbi Jesus fall on us. That's a good prayer, isn't it? May the fragrance of Jesus fill my life. May the dust of my rabbi fall on me so that I become more like him. And Jesus has given us a picture here uh, in four short commands of what it is like to follow Jesus and to be like him. Don't judge so you won't be judged. Don't condemn so you won't be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. So we're on to the positive things now. 
you have the two negatives, forgive and you will be forgiven. So to be like Jesus, we've got to learn to forgive even those who have hurt us. Give and you will receive. It's talking about overflowing, full measure, utter generosity. So don't judge, don't condemn, forgive and give. And we will become more like Jesus.